we're going to do a slightly different message today in what I'm calling a ham sandwich, because um, I'm British, but we're gonna, I'm going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to get to the scripture, and then I'm going to teach a little bit more if that's okay. So let's just go ahead and open in prayer. <clears throat> Jesus, I just thank you for your presence here this morning. We just acknowledge that you are here with us, that you love us, that you have something intentional and purposeful and good for each one of us. And Lord, this morning as we talk about fear, Lord, would you do something in our hearts that we can't do ourselves? Would you drive the fear out of our life? Would you free us to be fully alive in the people that you've called us to be? And Lord, most of all this morning, we ask for your grace that you would come and you would flood our hearts with your love. Lord, we've been talking about love this whole series. And Lord Jesus, we wanna press into you this morning. God, we are not just satisfied to just talk, to think. We wanna experience today. We wanna experience you, God, because you are real and tangible and you are here. And Lord, I ask that you'd push back every distraction and you would quiet our hearts this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, my family and I did something we've never done before. We actually took a little vacation down to Monterey right before Thanksgiving. We had a great time down there, and while I was down there, I knew I was prepping for this message, and I, I wanted to kind of think about fear a little bit. And so I spoke to my eight-year-old. My eight-year-old is named Keelan, and he gave me permission to share this story with you this morning. And um, never share without permission. And so um, I said to him across the dinner table one night, which is he and I, and I said to him, hey, um, mommy's going to be talking about fear on Sunday. And I'm just curious, if I asked you, what's your greatest fear? What, what are you most afraid of in life? What would come up for you? I expected him to say something about school or, you know, something that like an eight-year-old would say. And he took about 30 seconds and he looked at me across the table and he said, I'm afraid that one day I'm going to have to fight in a war. And my response was exactly what just happened then when I shared it with you. I was stunned and it was a sobering moment for me. My son only just turned eight. We don't have the news on in our home. He's not exposed to that. We sometimes talk to him about what's going on in the world, but not excessively, just appropriately. And yet here is a child that is closer to seven than he is to nine, who says his greatest fear is that he will have to fight in a war. That was a significant moment for me as a mother to realize that the fear that surrounds so many of us, really all of us, in our lives, in our country, in our world, our children are not immune to that. Not even they can live in this like great world where everything is beautiful and perfect and wonderful. Even our children are exposed to that, and so many children more so than my own. So many who are growing up displaced, abused, broken, exposed to tragedy and trauma and pain, even our children are not immune to the fear that surrounds us. The reality is, and you don't need me to say this, but the reality is that we live in a broken world 
where we are surrounded by tragedy and violence and pain. And we only have to turn the headlines on for five seconds to see 20 different headlines, right? It's not just like, oh, there's one and we get chance to grieve. It's like, boom, boom, boom. It's like there's so many just coming at us every day. And to some degree, all of us are living afraid. All of us are living with fear. And if it's not shootings and disasters and scandals and all this crazy, intense stuff, it's the day-to-day, low-grade kind of fear that keeps us up at night, that just kind of sits right down here in our stomach, anxiety, panic attacks, fear around our work, whether we'll have it or we won't have it, around our finances, our future, our relationships, our children, whatever it is, it's kind of like this low-grade thing. It's like tick, tick, tick in the background, and we're living with this fear. On top of that, we live in San Francisco or the Bay Area. I recently took a trip to Austin. I was staying about 30 minutes outside of Austin in a beautiful, really safe neighborhood. Um, I was there just, just a week ago. And the day that I left, my host put my my suitcase in the car, and we went to this event space where I was speaking. Again, beautiful, safe neighborhood. She parked it, and we walked away. And the first thing I thought was, is someone going to break into that car and steal my bag? Are we going to get a parking ticket? Are you sure it's okay to park there? Because those of us that live here in San Francisco, we know, we think about that stuff like all the time, right? We can't even park our car and get out with being like, Okay, what do I need to be afraid of? What's the threat, right? Meter made it coming by or someone breaking in, taking stuff. Like, am I going to be vandalized? It's this low-grade fear that until we step out of our environment, we're like, whoa, I'm thinking about that like all the time. I'm conscious of that. But this thing with fear, like, how do we know when it's actually helpful? And how do we know when it's actually harmful? And that's the thing that can be tricky, right? See, there is a fear that protects us. There is a fear that kicks in that says, hey, don't throw yourself off that building because you don't want to die, right? You you want to be afraid of that. Like, don't do that. There's a fear that tells us, like, you know, maybe let's not do that really unsafe thing or be in that really unsafe relationship because you want to protect what's valuable, There's a fear that motivates us to innovate and be creative, right? I don't want to suffer pain, and I don't want to die young, so let's create medicine, and let's advance technology. We don't want to live in the dark, so people started thinking, okay, how do we create light? How do we make electricity? I'm afraid of the dark. There's a a fear that benefits us in some way, and there's a fear that destroys us. Martin Luther King wrote in The Mastery of Fear, that there are, there are two kinds of fear. There's one when you're walking through the jungle and you're afraid of snakes. And that's a right kind of fear because snakes live in the jungle and you want to stay safe. But when you move back to your home and you're in your apartment in San Francisco, if you're still looking for snakes, something's gone wrong, right? Suddenly that one moment that was there to kind of protect you has taken over your life to the point that it's consuming the way that we think. It becomes a story that we live into in abnormal circumstances. He quotes, normal fear protects us, abnormal fear paralyzes us. Normal fear motivates us to improve our individual and collective welfare. Abnormal fear constantly poisons and distorts our inner life. 
The name of my message today is The House That Fear Built. It's based on a British nursery rhyme. I like to bring a little British in where I can. It's based on a British nursery rhyme called This Is The House That Jack Built. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. I'll read you just the first few lines. It says, this is the house that Jack built. This is the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. It goes on. I won't read all 25 lines to you. But that is what we call a cumulative tale, meaning that it builds upon itself. It expands and it increases and there's layers and there's complexity. And if you would want to say, you could say it intens intensifies or snowballs. And that's just like fear. The house that Jack built is just like fear because it's never one thing. It's a layered thing. It's complex. It's many things coming together. One of my favorite bloggers, Hannah Brencher, she writes, fear isn't one thing. Fear is a bunch of little things all stacked up to look seemingly powerful. And as much as I hate to give fear the credit, it is powerful. It stops you from moving forward. It makes you act smaller. It keeps you from being here, now. Fear is the thing that says, don't go tonight. You don't belong there. Fear is the whisper that, whisper that says, you? People don't like you. Fear is a voice I easily become immune to not even realizing it is there and talking to me. It says right in the Bible that God didn't give me a spirit of fear, and yet I take it with me on most mornings the way you take your jacket for the October air. I was at a playground this week with one of my mom friends, and we just got talking about our country and our world right now, and she said to me, we've always got to keep our guard up, always be vigilant. And it really struck me, again, because I knew I was preaching this sermon today, that isn't that the truth? Like, so many of us are in this constant, like, brace yourself position. Like, 24-7, we don't know when we open the news at, like, 6 a.m. in the morning, what's going to come at us. We don't know what's going to happen in our workplace. We don't know what's going to go on in our marriage and our relationships. So brace yourself. Like, be prepared. We feel like threat is all around us. And what we end up doing is this house is built the house of fear, brick by brick, news headline by news headline, by disaster, by tragedy, brick by brick, this house is built and it becomes fortified and we end up taking ourselves inside of it, but then we take our marriage inside of it and we take our children inside of it and we take our destiny and our dreams, we take everything inside and we lock the door and we fortify and we say, if we stay here, if we brace ourselves. If we're prepared for whatever may come our way, then we'll be safe. We say this is going to be our refuge. Being vigilant and prepared and ready. We want to defend ourselves. And before we know it, fear is crept into every corner of our life and it's breathing and it's setting up camp, and it's settled into our life. And we begin to agree with it. You know, fear is always the, the first one to raise its hand with an opinion. Something happens, right? And fear's like, I have an opinion on that. I have something to say to that. And we're like, oh, fear, what do you want to say? 
It's always the first to raise its hand. And the thing about fear is it's never this like sinister, creepy villain that comes in to scare us like a horror movie. Fear often looks benign or even helpful. It pretends that it's like, this is rational. This is a normal response. This is obvious. In fact, you're being irresponsible if you don't listen to me. This is how we live now in this day and age. We have to think about all these things all the time, otherwise you won't be ready. Let me help you, let me prepare you, let me protect you and be a refuge for you. And all the time it's sucking the life out of us, all the time it's sucking the faith out of us, it's sucking the courage out of us. And when our children look to us, for how to live in this world, we say just fortify yourself, just be prepared, brace yourself. And we're all locked inside this house of fear. And rarely do we ever really stop to consider what we're sacrificing for that protection, for that defense. We barely notice how paralyzed we've become, immobilized. We get cold feet, we need to make decisions about things and we don't know what to do. Some of us experience that every day. We've got big life decisions, commitments we need to make, steps that we need to do at work or in our family or in relationships and we're just, we're stuck. We tried once, we got shot down, we try, we're afraid to try again so we're paralyzed. Even our spouses, Oh, I'm saying, come on, I need you. I need you to like, make a decision. And we can't quite verbalize that we're scared. I don't know how to make a decision anymore because the world is so bad and scary. I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I make the wrong decision. I'm afraid of failing. We avoid vulnerability. We're so afraid of rejection. Fear begins to set the tone of our dating life and our marriages. So we're always defensive. I want you to think about that for a second. Those of you in this room that are married, in our marriages, fear begins to creep in and we're always, we're bracing ourselves for what's gonna come next. Can you imagine how the dating culture in our community would change if fear disappeared? We're always defensive, we're protective. We're bracing ourselves. And then cynicism just begins to creep in with the fear, wreaking havoc on our relationships. Some of us develop these really excessive patterns of control, order, strategy. Let's make everything predictable. Let's make everything safe and perfect. We over-prepare. It must be the worst-case scenario. I have a headache. I'm on WebMD. I know what this really is. Anyone relate? Right, like let's get ahead of this. Let's get ahead of this, guys. Let's prepare, let's have a strategy. Let's work it out. It's all things we do to comply with the house of fear, to keep it fortified, to keep us safe, to keep our families safe. We become obsessive and anxious and preoccupied. And then we experience panic attacks. I've experienced panic, panic attacks in my life. I know how terrifying those are. We experience nightmares and night terrors, this unrelenting anxiety. Some of you are even anxious right now hearing me talk about this. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling all of that all the time right now. What do we do? And we have to live in this house because here's the worst thing. What if we get blindsided? What if something comes at us and we weren't prepared? 
Who is going to hold us up if not us? Prepared, vigilant, braced, ready for anything. Who is going to save us? Who will be our refuge if not ourself? Who is going to be our safe place? And the thing was, we were never designed to live this way. This is not God's original design, original plan for our lives. This is not who he wants us to be. There is a different way to live, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. I'm really preaching from one verse this morning, and it's 1 John 4:18, And it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been made perfected in love. You may have heard this verse before. And what is tempting with this verse is to be dismissive of it. Because that almost seems too good to be true, that we could experience a love that would free us from fear. And the reason for that is most of us haven't experienced this kind of love. Most of us don't have a history with this kind of love. We've heard about it from the stage, we've read about it, we may have talked about it, but have we lived it? Do we have experiences that we can point back and say, I felt that love forcefully come into my life and drive out the fear? You see, if fear was a person, we'd have a ton of selfies with fear. Right? We'd have a whole reel of like, yeah, that was fear. I remember that fear. Oh my gosh, I'm so scared about this thing. I'm so, I, fear's right with me right now. Like, we have all these memories and experiences and stories with fear. And then we'd have to scroll a long way through to find a picture of us with perfect love. To point back to and say, oh yeah. Yeah, that was the moment that I felt God's love just so forcefully in my life. You see, God's dream for us is that you would scroll through that reel at every single moment of every day that we're living into this perfect love that forces the fear out of our lives. But because fear so, feels so real, we often dismiss this verse as cute, or we put it in our bathroom, or... We write it in our journal, but we don't know how to live into it and climb inside of it and say, yes, this is my reality. See, the thing about perfect love is it's a person. Love is personified. Last week, Dave talked about God of, this God of love, but then there's this Jesus person that God sends into this world to say, this is what my love looks like. You want to know what love looks like? Look at Jesus. That's that kind of perfect love that we're talking about this morning. And the thing is, when God looked at the world and it was dark and evil and, and sinful and all this stuff, he didn't just think, you know what, I'm just going to throw something fluffy in there, like a, a fluffy little stuffy animal. I'm just going to throw it in there and just hope that everyone gets all the feels and repents. It's not that kind of love. When God looked at the world, he was like, there's only one person that could actually take care of this. So I'm not going to send a fluffy, I'm going to send a missile of love right into the heart of the world because he is what the world needs. And when God looks at our world, and our politics, and our family, and our nation, and our lives, it's still the same response. It's not this love thing that we talk about. It's not a fluffy that we think, okay, maybe I'll feel a little comfort. It's a missile that explodes our hearts and says, you can live differently. You don't have to be burnt out on fear. 
You don't have to be consumed, waking up in the night, hot sweats, or paralyzed and not able to move forward. There's a different way to live. I don't know what you're afraid of today. I know what I struggle with being afraid of, a whole ton of things. Everything that's going on around the world, those of us that are raising children, it's terrifying sometimes to send our kids off to school. It's scary to look around at the world. Some of us are here and we're afraid of dying. Afraid of death. We're afraid of not having the money that we need for retirement to provide for our kids. We're afraid our marriage is going to implode and there's not one thing we can do to stop it. We're afraid. And these layers of fear built this house in our life. But there's a missile that wants to come and destroy that house. You see, what we have is more powerful. See, sometimes I think people think that Christianity, again, is that fluffy, like, look at how bad the world is, but let's just turn away and look at Jesus. Let's just say that it's, it's really nice over here, and we don't have to acknowledge over here. This is what I think that God is calling us to do as believers. We are called to look head on into the dark world, into all the tragedy and the violence and pain, and then we're called to enter into it and stand in it and say, oh yeah, Jesus, what we have is more powerful than all of this. We're not called to turn our head away and run to the hills and say, oh, we'll just pray for you. We're called to dive right into it because what we have is a missile. And it's so much more powerful than just a pat on the back and a prayer. It's the capacity to change people's lives, to change our lives. We're not about pretending that everything's good and pretty and soft. That's not the world we live in. But we don't have to be afraid of the world we live in either because what lives inside of us is not of this world. If you know Jesus this morning and you carry his spirit inside of you, it is not of this world and it has the capacity to do what he can do. And he wants to free us and he wants to send us into a dark world so we can take that with us. You see, Jesus came with an intention. When God sent him to express this love to us, it's because we were separated from him and there was not one thing we could do to bring ourselves back. The fear kept us away. The sin separated us. And Jesus said, you know, I'm going to come and do the work. And he did it on the cross so that we can move back into relationship with God. That work is available to us this morning. If you are living with fear this morning, that work is available to change your lives. Fear does not want you to experience that kind of love. Because like I said, it's a missile. And when you experience that overwhelming, crazy love of God, it does something in us that changes us. Fear does not want you to experience that. Henry Nouwen says that fear is the great enemy of intimacy. See, fear whispers in our ear, God is not happy with you. God is getting frustrated with you. And we begin to feel fearful of God, fearful of approaching God. Now, we are sophisticated here in San Francisco. So our fear doesn't sound like, oh, I'm so afraid that God's going to send a lightning bolt from heaven. We know, we know God's not going to do that. But we sure think he's going to withhold from us because of sin in our past. We're afraid. We know that God is not out to curse us, but we're not actually sure that he really likes us. So we're afraid. 
So there's this distance that's created and fear will just come and be like a wedge. It's like a foot in a door that wants to pull the door back. More distance, more distance, just a little more distance until before we know it, we are overcome with fear and we're looking around, Jesus, where are you? I don't feel you. And there's this distance. And all the time, fear is saying, this is the way to live. This is the safest way. This is the best way. I'm here to protect you. Listen to me and be responsible. Love is not really going to do it. You've got to do your bit as well. You've got to fortify the walls. You've got to think ahead. You've got to brace yourself. And so all the time it's telling us, I'll protect you whilst cutting us off from the only person that can. Cutting us off from love that can actually free us from the fear. See, the enemy would love you to live in fear for the rest of your life. He will throw a party if you will just stay enslaved to fear. Because he knows if you are afraid, he has got you. You are immobilized. And you might be thinking, I don't, I don't think I'm really living a fearful life. I think I'm, I'm doing all these things, da, da 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 There's that one place in your life, and it's like a hook. It's that one thing that keeps you up at night. It's that one trigger when this one thing happens and you're like, <gasps> panic, fear sets in. What if you lost your job? What if the relationship doesn't work out? What if you get that health diagnosis? What if our kids get sick? And suddenly it's like we're gripped. We're gripped with fear and the enemy loves it. But fear is a liar. And he will tell you that he is protecting you all the time. He's killing you. He's destroying you. And he's creating this chasm between the one person that came to actually restore life and to take away the fear. Psalm 46 says, this is the message version, God is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need him. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake, before the rush and roar of oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. I don't know about you, but I wanna stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom. As I've been preparing this message and just really thinking a lot about fear, it kind of brought me to this place where I just have become pretty passionate about eradicating fear in my life. I just feel like, I don't want any place, any hook, any spot where the enemy can just get in there. I want God's love to permeate anything so I can stand on the cliff edge of doom and say, I am fearless, not because I'm putting a good face on, not because I'm self-motivating, but because I'm so filled with the love of God that everything else feels like he's got me, he's got me. It doesn't matter what's gonna happen in my life. I don't have to live braced constantly because he's got me. He's my refuge. He's my safe place. You see, this is the invitation this morning. It's to live into that refuge every moment of every day. This is what Tim Keller refers to, the unbroken presence of God. The unbroken presence of God. You see, the presence of God is not just here on a Sunday, but we have an invitation to live into it every moment of every day to experience that refuge every moment of every day. See, this is where Jesus hung out, in the house of love, not the house of fear. This, he was with his father, hanging out, hearing his father's voice, knowing who he was. 
who he is. That's the invitation for us today is to, to move out of the house of fear and into the house of love. We've been in this series of becoming like Jesus. The more we become like him, the more God's love is perfected in our lives. The more we look into the face of Jesus and say, you know what, I wanna be like him. The more we live into his life, the practices that we've been talking about throughout this series, and we practice them every moment of every day, the more we lean into that, the more we experience this perfected love of God. You see, some of us in here are so bound by fear because we've not allowed God to perfect his love in us. We're clinging on to that old refuge that we built ourselves And we have to let that go if we want to experience the love of God. Paul writes in the book of Romans, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. When Paul is writing here about the spirit of, flav- spirit of slavery, he's referring to the life that we lived before Jesus. He's referring to this fearful life that we experienced before we knew that Jesus had saved us. It's this experience of feeling like we were trying to be good and trying to make it and try to earn our way back to the Father or into heaven or whatever it looked like for us. And there's this fearful place that we lived in because we just had no security and we had no confidence and we were at odds with God and we were afraid of punishment. And what he's saying is, that's not how you live anymore. That's how you lived before you knew Jesus. That's the house that you lived in. You see that house of fear? That was your home. But something has happened. God came along and said, I want that one. And he adopted us and he brought us out of that spirit of slavery, that spirit of fear, and he brought us in as children. So he's saying, you've left behind the identity of a slave. That's not who you are anymore. Now you're a child. And children say, hey, dad. Abba Father. See, adoption is the language of home and security. It's funny because um, it's ironic, really, that I'm preaching on this verse because I'm adopting a puppy today. I am, yeah. So we had a dog for like 11 years, and she passed away in May, and it was, it's been really heartbreaking, and we took the summer grieving, and we always knew we wanted another, another dog. We're kind of that family that's like, it's not complete without a dog, you know? I mean, my kids would want a cat and probably some other things, but I'm like, we'll be complete with the dog. And so we decided, let's wait until after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we went by the SPCA yesterday, long story, found this really cute four-month-old dog, and um, we said, hey, we're, we're going to take her home, and so we're picking her up this afternoon, and here's the thing, if, if this little girl could, if she could talk to me, which I know dogs can't, but if she could, I would not expect her to say, hey, this is really like cool over here, but I want to go back to the rescue place. I want to go back to that place I was in where I was kind of shoved in there with the other animals and like didn't really have a home. We wouldn't expect that from a dog because you know what? She's in my house now and she's my dog and that comes with all the love and all the benefits and she's not going back there because this is home now. Now I know I'm talking about a dog and it breaks down because we're talking about the God of the universe and the world, so I get that, but you get my point. When she comes into our house today, 
We close that door. She's in my house now. And that means she has all the love and all the provision and all the security which comes with being a dog, a child, let's be honest, because that's how I feel about it, in my house. And for some of you today, God's saying to you, you're in my house now. And that is a commitment of his love, his rugged, steadfast love. You're in my house and you can leave behind all the fear all the stuff that you've been clinging to, all the strategies, all the things that you're like, ah, oh, and some of you are even feeling right now the idea like, she's gonna ask me to like give that stuff up. I am, but we're not there yet, right? But I am gonna ask you to do that because you know what? That's what Jesus wants for you. Because he sees you, he's like, oh man, I wanna free you. I wanna lift off of you all the shackles of slavery that has made you feel like you are not enough, that you cannot approach God that you cannot dream, that you've got to hold down the fort for your family. Jesus saying, I want to come in, but some of us right now are already feeling that tension. And if you feel that, that's okay. It just means that Jesus is doing a work. I'm going to read to you the same scripture I read at the beginning from 1 John, but it's from the message. It says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now we love. He loved us first. Love has the capacity to drive fear out of our lives. See, we can try and self-talk our way. You know, it's funny when you, when you prep for sermons, like often I'll read a lot of like blogs online or articles or different things just to kind of get a sense of like what's out there. And you know, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of really great ideas on Google of how you can deal with your fear. Write a list down, you'll feel better. Maybe you will for a moment. Do a little meditation, think a few happy thoughts. Maybe you will feel better. But the thing is, we can't break a stronghold of fear by writing lists and thinking really hard because we need a supernatural intervention. We need something that comes in to break the fear off of our lives and then we need to live into that freedom every day. There is a moment this morning that I think God wants to deliver some of us from a stronghold of fear. There's some of us here today are like, this word is for me. I knew it as soon as she did the opening prayer. Like fear, 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 this is for me. And God is wanting to free you this morning. And that is something that we will pray and we will do at the end. But here's the thing. We have to live into this every day. And that's where the struggle really hits home. That's where we have to decide whose house do I live in? You know, I said I was recently in Austin um, I won't go into details, but I had some problems with my flight home, and it looked like I wasn't going to be able to get on a flight that day to get back to my kids. And you know, when you miss a flight and you're at the airport, um, that's annoying and frustrating. When you're not going to be home for bedtime, that's bad. That's, that's for me is like my worst, right? I try and arrange travel so I can be home for bedtime because my boys are my priority. And 
so when I found this out, it was like 10.30 the night before, I'm on the phone to the airline, doing all this stuff, talking to my host, saying, oh my goodness, I gotta get home. I gotta get home to my boys. And I had been prepping this sermon, and I literally was standing in a living room, and I was like, hold up. This is not what I'm gonna do right now. I'm not gonna jump back into that house of fear and do all the stuff I used to do because I'm in my father's house and I'm preaching about my father's house next week. So let's try and live into it, right? So I'm having this conversation with, okay, I'm in my father's house. So redirect my thoughts onto Jesus and say, Jesus, you got this. Whether I get home or not, you still got it. Couple of times that night, I woke up and I felt my body like, what if I don't get on that flight? And I had to say, Jesus, I'm in your house now. You've got me. And then I woke up a second time. You've got me. And then I woke up that morning, did the whole event, standing at the line at the airport. I'm wanting to talk to someone at the ticket counter. Lady in front of me is taking forever. I'm literally doing this with my foot. Like I'm feeling this anxiety. I keep saying to myself, I'm in my father's house. He's got it. Now, it worked out great. If it hadn't, it would have been great anyway. God's good like that. But here's the thing. Living into this is a struggle. It's a wrestling that happens because fear is persistent. The whole time I was in that line, and it's like, you're not getting on that plane. Your kids are going to be so disappointed in you. You should be really anxious right now. You should get up to that front desk, and you should make a stink about this. You should really, like, get in their face. I'm just like, okay, this is not my house anymore. But it was a struggle. It was a struggle. You see, sometimes fear will come at us a, a hundred times in five minutes. And sometimes we wander back into that house of fear because it makes sense. And it feels like the world is crashing down and everything is bad out there. And we hang out in there and we have a moment and we go, hang on, this is not my house. And then we have to leave the house and we go back to the house of love and we say, this is the house of love. And then we say, oh my goodness, it does seem normal. And we go back and forth and back and forth and that's the Christian life. As God is perfecting us, we will begin to hang out here more than we hang out there. And as we hang out here in the house of love, as God begins to fill us with that perfect love, the fear begins to dissipate. And when it took an hour before to get over that anxiety, now maybe it takes 30 minutes. Now maybe it takes 10 minutes. You see, there were things in my life I was terrified of that would grip me for years. When those things come at me now, no biggie. There's other stuff that I'm dealing with now, but that's the progress of change in my life. That's what God is doing in your life. Now what happens is we get back into the house of fear and we go, oh, I'm so lame. I can't believe I'm back in the house of fear. I'm just going to hang out here and lock myself in because it's so comfortable. And then we invite self-pity to come in and shame and we have a little tea party, right? So when we find ourselves back into the house of fear, we need to look around and say, hang on, I don't sleep here anymore. I may have come over for a little bit of tea, but this is not my home. And then we come back over here and we say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I kind of hung out over there. It's not where I want to be right back with you. And he's like, welcome home. Welcome home. You see, this is what it looks like day to day. This is what Henry Nouwen says. I just love how pastoral he is. He says, Jesus travels with us in life. And he teaches us how to return to the house of love. The fear may come back tomorrow and you will have to struggle. And you can again return from fear to love. Every time you feel afraid, you can open yourself to God's presence. Hear God's voice again and be brought back to perfect love that casts out fear 
and brings in greater freedom. Fear will come at you in your house of love to convince you that you are not safe, to make you question and become consumed with threats, dangers, etc. It will take over your mind if you let it. This is a word for some of you here. There are some of you that the biggest thing that you are afraid of is actually your destiny. I tell you what, if you had seen me as a child, as a teenager, being asked to speak in public, you'd be like, who is that girl? I love doing this. This is, this is fun for me. But the enemy came at me so consistently in my life as a child with such a voice of fear that I was so afraid. I remember one time when I was 16 in sociology, my teacher asked me to answer a question from my seat at the back of the room and I felt gripped with fear. What if I say the wrong thing? What will everyone think of me? Some of us in this room are so gripped with the fear of man that is a lockdown our destiny. We don't even know what we're called to. We're just afraid of everything. God wants to unleash his love on you to free you from that fear because there are some of you in this room, that thing that you're terrified of, that life of faith, that life of fearlessly standing on the edge of doom, that is what you are called to. And the enemy will do everything to keep you from that, including to saturate you with fear. Some of us were handed fear as children. It came down our generational line. It's all we've ever known. God can break that. Just because it was given to you doesn't mean you have to keep it. Just because it was modeled to you doesn't mean you have to live it. God is a different story that he's writing for your life. I'm, the, I'm excited. I'm kind of passionate this morning because I think God wants to do a freeing work. Here's the thing. We have to live into it and struggle into it every day, back and forth, and that's life. But it starts with a moment where we say, you know what? Whose house do I want to live in? Whose house do I want to live in? What has your mind and your attention this morning? If you feel the Holy Spirit pressing against you, that is a good thing. He wants to free you from slavery. If you feel emotion as we move into a time of prayer, let it come. Sometimes God frees us from fear through tears. It's okay. Just let it come. It's welcomed in this place. What we're going to do is we're going to move into a time of response. And I'm going to just lead you in a short kind of reflection as we close. And then, of course, welcome you to come forward to the carpets for prayer and for communion. But the thing, the danger of this word is we hear it and we say, yes, 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 that sounds great. I'll start tomorrow. It's kind of like a diet, right? That was me on Thanksgiving Day, okay? Set aside the healthy eating, I'll start tomorrow. Like, we start to do that in our spiritual lives. That's a good word. I'm gonna start wrestling tomorrow. I'm really gonna tackle this thing. I'm gonna go home and journal, put on some worship music. Don't do that. Start now, okay? The invitation is now. The grace is here right now. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, okay? I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and what I want you to do is, if this word was for you this morning, if you're like, yes, I can identify a place in my life where fear has had a hold, what I want you to do is very, very um, privately, I'm not asking you to stand or anything, just open your hands in your lap. Just open your hands in your lap as a step towards the house of love. 
And I want you to just hold them open in your lap because God wants to pour out his love this morning. That's what frees us. It's not a good prayer. It's not a good message. And it's not a great worship band, although they are amazing. It is the presence of Jesus through his love that will break the bond of fear in our lives. And as you hold your hands there, I want you to envision that thing that is gripping you, all those many things. And we're going to invite the presence of Jesus to just come into that space, into your heart, and to begin to expand his love. We're going to agree that we belong in our Father's house this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are like a missile and you came straight to our world without hesitation because you carried what we needed. And this morning, we declare that you have not changed, that you come this morning to free us. And I want to ask right now, as people's hands are open this morning, would you flood in, God? Would you flood in like a wave and begin to expand in our hearts this morning? Lord Jesus, this is a work only you can do. We can think about you, but we can't be convinced in our hearts. Lord, only you can do that. And as you wash over us, Lord, would you break a stronghold of fear in Jesus' name? Lord, I speak specifically to the fear of death that has been hanging over some lives in this room, even generationally. They're looking back at people in their family that have committed suicide or have been lost to early death. And there's an anxiety and a fear like, what if I'm next? What if the depression will overwhelm me? What if the sickness will come? We break that spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we come against just the national and global spirit of fear that has seeped into our hearts and we have given it a seat at the table. And this morning, I just want you to envision this with me. We pull back that chair and we say, you are not welcome here. We belong in our Father's house. And no matter how painful and tragic and the waves of evil come over us, we will look you right in the eye and we will say, we carry the spirit of Jesus. And it is love. Lord, I specifically want to pray for those in the room who have been dealing with anxiety disorders and panic attacks. In Jesus' name, we break that over your life this morning. Lord, we ask that you would free and that you would heal, that you would heal emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, God, that you would break anxiety in our lives in Jesus' name. Lord, I specifically want to speak to those in the room that are single and have been completely locked down with fear around the issue of dating and getting married. Those that feel just paralyzed, fearful, anxious for the future, those that are feeling the ticking clock of like time is running out. Lord, I want to speak peace that comes rooted in your love that says, God, you will be their refuge. Even though there's, I feel like there's some of you here that you look back and like, I have been deeply wounded. I've experienced so much pain that you have no idea. It has created this fear in me that feels so valid. And I get that. But this morning, Jesus is saying, I have a different life for you now. You're in my house now. I want to come and heal you and restore you. 
all the things that you felt like were lost, that you're afraid you'll never get back. I'm gonna come meet you. Lord, we wanna be a community that's fearless. And that means we have to walk with you and lean into you and keep choosing the house of love again and again. Would you give us tenacity, boldness, courage this morning to keep saying yes to the house of love? And Lord, finally, I wanna pray for parents in this room that have so many questions about how do we raise kids in this world that feels so dark. Lord, I pray for supernatural wisdom. Supernatural wisdom that is rooted in your love. Lord, I pray that every family in this room would pull up a table in the house of love. See, this is where we're gonna dwell. This is where our focus is gonna be. And every time that fear knocks on the door, we're just gonna say, you know what? This is, this is what our family does. We hang out with Jesus and we let him fill us with his love and then we take that to the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just release your love. Release your love, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.